0: Praise be to God. As we gather today, we're thankful you're here with us. I get to the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Life Community Church. I'm Brandon Hall. And as we take a pause, we've been going through Romans, we made it eight chapters in, and if you've been with us, we've covered a lot of ground. We've done a lot of work, and, and there's a lot of great truths that we've been hearing and been challenged and pressed on. and. And this message today, God has really prepared our hearts to receive and it, it has the p- potential to impact you if, if not equally or maybe even greater as the Lord would plan to wake you up and open your eyes to see God's plan for you and his purpose. And as we start our Christmas series called Travel Light, there's a lot of inferences there, God's the light of the world, the world's not our home, As we, as we prepare to leave this place? Are we, are we acquiring in stuff we can't keep? Are we investing in things we can't lose? We're going to get to some of these sneak peeks. I just am so excited I can't hold it in. I'm ready to preach. Are you guys ready? Okay, you asked for it, so here we go. Um, so the the amazing thing about Travel Light, when you read that verse, I've read it multiple times, and and I've I've shared it with a number of people, and every time I share it, it's the same response, the response you all had. It's that. You just sit there, and you're like, ooh, one handful, two, I like the word peace. That's great. And and in, in this translation, one handful with rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after the wind. One of my favorite verses, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you Rest. I'll give you rest. We come into the season, everyone's excited for rest, and you don't get anything. And you get to January, and you're like, what happened? I'm exhausted. I was excited for November, and here we are in January, New Year resolutions, and I'm exhausted, and somehow I ate way more than I should have, and wore all these boxes of stuff. Like, what happened? And as we launch into this new message series, I hope over the next couple weeks, it'll remind you and remind myself this world is not our home as we travel through life, it's amazing how much stuff and typically the wrong kind of stuff I acquire. I accumulate hurts, junk, and and the problem with accumulating those seeds of discontentment, they never stay seeds. They grow into all kinds of problems. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to go through and talk through letting go of some of the stuff that holds us down, holds us back so we can really live a life that would honor God. And next week, we're going to talk about letting go of distractions. We're going to talk about letting go of bitterness. We're going to talk about letting go of control. And some of you probably are going to control your schedules and not be here that day. And you have the spiritual gift of control frequent all over you. And maybe your husband said amen next to you. Maybe it was just in his head, so you didn't even hear it. But today, I want to talk about letting go of the stuff, the stuff that weighs us down. This key thought, if you're taking notes today, is in order to hold on to what matters, we have to let go of what doesn't. In order to hold on to what matters, we have to let go of what doesn't. This has been a constant conversation. So this is probably, the more I, I prepared this message and thought and ran it through a couple people, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm actually kind of just self-preaching this. So if you want to just go along and as an audience, great. Um, Some people came up and said, that's a great sermon, probably for you, pastor, but I'm good. I'm like, great, then come over and help me uh, do this. Because before January, it'd be great to see me apply this message. So if you're here going, man, I'm convicted. No, I've been convicted. I'm there with you. Life goes on. We accumulate distractions, hurts, disappointments. But in order to hold on to what matters, we have to let go of what doesn't. Everything in culture has been screaming at us, and I was... In the generation growing up where commercials and then social media and everything's been saying, hey, it's the same lie from the garden where Adam was there and everything was good, until it wasn't because Adam kept losing his car keys and his wallet. And he's like, okay, Adam does need a helper after all. Like, where's the list of animal names that was due yesterday? I don't... And so God's like, hey, we need Eve to help you. And he's like, whoa, man, like, I was thinking I was just a helper to help me find something. But this is awesome. Like, this is great. And then all of a sudden, and it wasn't the static of your, you know, you have to fix the antennas. It was the snake slithering in. That was my interpretation of the snake coming in. All of a sudden... It's this great moment in the garden. Adam and Eve are there. And God says, I got everything taken care of for you. Everything you need, you have. The one expectation is don't eat of this fruit. And then, hey, didn't God say you're going to die if you touch it? The expectation was don't eat of it. And yet Satan adds to God's word. Satan changes God's word. Satan comes in with God's word. Let's talk about God's word. What did God say? And all of a sudden the lie. Hey, who you are and whose you are. Let's talk about that. Does God really love you? Probably not because he wouldn't keep something good from you. How could a good God exist and allow horrible things and keep things from you? And that's the lie we've heard. It's horrible that you don't have this new food processor. It's horrible that you don't have this new car. Your life is such a mess. I can't believe you can even think you're enjoying. You need all of this food. You need all of it now. And you need to buy now because it's Black Friday. Oh, you missed it. Don't worry. Cyber Monday. And I'm sure you're like, great. Thanks a lot, Pastor. I already ruined it. Like I'm already freaking out about how I'm going to pay all that off. And you don't have what you need to be happy to be fulfilled, to be complete. This is what we've been hearing. Growing up with that kind of scarcity mindset, $1 was good, but two was better. One car was good, but then it's like, okay, well, who's going to pick me up after my doctor's appointment? I'm going to sit there for 10 minutes. Are you kidding me? This is America 2023. We need two cars. It's better. One vacation is good, but two is better. One kid is good, but three and opening up a home for foster care, well, that's probably enough for us. I don't know where you guys are at. But that's always a conversation, right? Once you start having kids, well, how many are you going to have? And it's interesting as we go into the holiday season, I always have great memories of sleepovers, whether it's Christmas break, Thanksgiving, or birthdays, because the, the little, you know, one and a half serving packets never quite filled me up especially with Reese's Pieces. And so when the bowl would come out of candy, it was the, it was the ultimate, because usually my parents would go to bed early or there w- wasn't parents really around, and there's all the video games. You know, growing up in the epic era of the 90s and early 2000s, every year there was a new video game system, and it went from... Like Atari Pong, all the way to now first-person James Bond, and you're like have this spaceship controller with all these buttons, and you're trying to figure it out because you used to have Super Mario A and B, and now you have this, and then you, it's like Cool Borders comes out, and you're snowboarding on the TV, and then you, all of a sudden you're racing cars, blowing stuff up. Is no wonder I stayed up till three a.m. I was overstimulated, and I had bowls of sugar, and as I mean, you know, middle school boys, you don't just take a few, you don't just take a handful. It's always two handfuls, and then it was continuous, two handfuls of eating constantly without stopping until about 2 a.m., and everyone kind of falls asleep, and I'm like, yeah, it's probably exhausted and the sugar crash, but my stomach was also crashing, and all of that Reese's in my stomach of two handfuls at a time, I made a dead sprint to the bathroom, and it was like the rainbow, but with more earth tones than I'd ever seen, and it was just not good. Coming out and I was like, hey, the two handfuls was not, that was not good rest. And after that, I felt rest. I was like, hey, get that out of me. Now we can go to sleep. That was just not a good experience. And so that one handful with rest. And even first service, I grabbed the handful, but it was, it wasn't, a, it was one like that. You know, it was over and abundant. Hand. So one handful with rest is better than two fistfuls of labor and striving after The wind. Less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Your life is so valuable. Christ bought it with a price and Satan's been after you to destroy you. Your calling is so huge. Jesus said to go to the entire world and teach everyone to obey everything I commanded you. And I'm with you to the end of the age. Don't worry, I got you. And God's goodness and provision with Christ's spirit in us is so Essential, why would you waste any minute or any resource on things that don't last? Jesus says in Luke twelve fifteen, Take care and be on guard against the covetous, all covetous. for one's life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. My life doesn't consist in the stuff I own. I'm not what I have. I'm not what I drive, and I'm not what I wear. And as we get ready for Christmas, some of you are like, ooh, yeah, I've already heard that, right? The The shouting of the opposite. You are what you have. You are what you own. You are what you drive. And to feel happy or popular or cool or to fit in, you, you, you have to go buy this or, or do this or... And that was already attention. and then Joanna Gaines came on the scene, and now it's like, oh my goodness, now we have to get this cookbook, and I have to decorate this way, and do that, and what do we need, and then it was bad enough that she was just an influence in our culture, now she took over half of Target, and so you're like, oh boy, here we go. What if the stuff you have, though, is robbing you from the life you want? What if the stuff you have, the older I get, the more I realize it's not just the purchase price, it's the maintenance. You can buy it, but can you maintain it? Do you have the time to maintain it? Is that something you're willing to give to maintain this thing you want? And one handful of living challenges us in these three ways. First, to let go. First, we have to let go. When, when the rich young ruler shows up to Jesus and says, Hey, I've done all these things. I've kept the commandments since my youth. And what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the answer is right there in the word. What must I do? You don't do anything to inherit. And, and the young man heard Jesus' response and he went away sorrowful because he had so many possessions. He had great possessions. It was the, this, this toiling of two-fisted living that he'd bought the lie. And Jesus was saying, you need to let go. You need to throw out all of your possessions and then give the proceeds to the poor, the people that you don't think matter to God, I want you to to, to take care of them and help them and then follow me. But his life consisted of abundance of possessions. So he left because he thought he could keep his life apart from Christ. But really, his life had yet to begin. And it's not just an idea of declutter, because I've tried that for years. And I have boxes, and I have another box, and I have a drawer. And and there's all this clutter, and every once in a while... With the help of my wife, we, we organize, she organizes, and I'm expected to maintain. It's not possible, though, for me. I got, I've surrendered. I can't organize. So when I, when I got a job here, we got the office organized. My wife said, okay, you're not allowed to have a desk with, with, with drawers. So I have a standing desk with no drawers. And it's amazing, because I do have a little, I have my little storage cabinet, which is my storage stuff. It's just not organized. There's stuff in there with a couple drawers. And she still is like, you need to get rid of that because nothing. I'm like, yeah, I use it maybe once a year. So that's probably going to go. But in my garage, I have a junk drawer, many junk drawers. So there's clutter. There's stru- stuff everywhere. And you're like, man, this guy, he is a problem. If you need a firewire cable for the first iPhone, I have it. Okay. Like there is a huge... Shortage of those, and I've kept it just in case. We go all the way back to the first iPod. I have it, okay? The Firewire Square one. Some of you need to Google it. They did have that. I own it still. I possess it just in case. I have a, a, a 45 uh, quarter-inch PVC. If you need one, it's in my sock drawer just in case. You need, like I have it stored there. Just I don't, There's a Home Depot receipt, I think, from two years ago with it too. Not related, not the same purchase, but it's there in case in case we need it you know and there's there's that reality of what am i storing up we need to it's not it's not to organize to deown get rid of it again i'm i'm kind of i'm confessing i have a problem too with this the young man heard this he went away sad he had great wealth he he had great wealth we have great wealth you never know what idols you have until jesus shows up and says give it up he says let go of it then you realize ooh that's an idol I I was heart set, headline and sinker. I'm going to pursue surfing. I don't care. I'll I'll figure it out. I'll walk. I'm going to surf everywhere, everything I can, as long as I can. So one day God's like, hey, you've been like not hanging out with me at all. And you've only been in my creation. You need to give it up. You need to let go. So I got out and I was like, all right, I got out of the water. I was surfing at the time. I got out of the water and I said, okay, Lord, what's like, is this forever? And he's like, eh, probably I'm like, Ooh, okay, here you go. Here's surfing. I'm not going to pursue this. And it wasn't that surfing is this evil, horrible thing, but what I was doing with it was it was controlling me. It's never wrong to have things, but it's wrong when the things have you. It's wrong when your heart and your identity starts to become formed and controlled by the things that, that really have you. You don't have them anymore. And thankfully, it was, it was a few months later, someone explained to me the whole Abraham and, and Isaac on the altar. He thought his identity was his son. Like, this is going to say this is my generation. Everything's here. And God said, I want your son. He wasn't going to kill his son. We know God's heart is different than that. We know his character, but he was testing Abraham to remind Abraham, no, you're mine. It's whose you are. Not the thing or not the son I gave you. And so as we think about that, it's not wrong to have things, but it's wrong when the things have you. What you have, does it distract you from what matters? You need to let it go. You know, we have stuff like I have cables, we had a a box of China because we didn't get China when we got married, and so at a a rummage sale thing we did to raise money, which was the first and last we did, because those aren't helpful. They just way more work than profit. But someone had a box of china, and I was like, sweet, no one bought it. I should hold on to it. So for years, from San Diego to San Luis to to Atascadero, we had this box of fine china in the box, the original box, that was given to somebody else, that they had it for years, moved it around, and then it ended up with us. We're moving it around, and we sold it for like five bucks, which was basically like, can you come and take this away? We never even used it. How many of you have VHS tapes? You laugh at my iPod version one cable. You have VHS tapes, and you have what, Blu-ray players? There's no, you've already gone to DVDs and Blu-ray, and you have VHS tapes. I I think I can point the finger back. We don't have VHS tapes, I don't believe. Maybe we do, probably, in my sock drawer. Um, I was convicted years ago, and I still need to just do this in my garage. And I was told after first service, I'll share with you at the end, but a contractor told me, you know, I, I, I have parts, too, from jobs left over, and I was recounting my breakers that I have. If you need a breaker, they discontinued them. I have five. I don't know because all the volts and stuff. Talked to our electrician. But I have all that stuff stayed in, in, in little drawers and stuff in the garage just in case we need that bolt or we need that breaker that doesn't even fit my breaker and doesn't fit most because they're discontinued. But I still kept it just in case. And he said, dude, throw that stuff away. Because if you need a new one, you, there's Home Depot, there's Ace, there's Amazon. You can just buy one. Why do you have all that stuff? Just let it go. And then after first service, uh, some older couple came up and said, you know, if you hold on to it long enough, and the older you get, you, you actually forget you own it. And then you have to buy it anyway. So just get rid of it now. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm convicted. Thank you for preaching to me. I got to go throw stuff away today. And, and it's that fear And it's that sentiment is the reason why we hold on to it. We might have a version one iPod that we need to plug in. No, you don't. It's okay. God's in control. The children might want this. My son might want a version one. No, he doesn't want version one iPod. I've come to find out. He wants the iPhone 12 or the iPhone 20. Which one? I don't know. Don't want, we don't want to waste it, right? Some of the, the great depression era. My grandma, Jenny, was that, and and, my, and so I, I think, you know, I can kind of point the finger, but it's also my personality, so I don't, the fear of not having something that's just accessible. And then there's the sentiment, right? My kids write all these nice things to me that fill up my drawer on top of all my stuff, and it's like, oh, they cared so much to write this note, and I want to hold on to it, or that first ribbon that they won, and... And then there's, you know, I thought about this, though. Like, my son, my oldest son's first diaper, I didn't hold on to that. Like, I got rid of that so quick, so fast. That was his first gift, you know, especially going on to solids. And it was nasty smelling and everything. It's like, no, we get rid of that. But yet, why don't I do that with the other stuff? And my wife has such a gracious and generous but kind and and organizing and, and letting go heart. She's, she's constantly like, it's okay. You can honor and say thank you and then just throw the note away. It's gonna be okay. And I've seen it. Like she has a great relationship with our kids still. They don't know all that she throws away. We try and, she's taught me how to be discreet about that. Because again, I'm not the best at letting go. I do it in front of people that probably shouldn't see it. And then it's a whole nother problem. It's like, okay, you're right. It looks to her to help me out with that. But are we trusting God to provide? Are we trusting God to provide? or Are we trying to hold on to things? The early church, it's been said, why are we so ineffective today as the church? Why are we so inefficient? And why can't we have the same impact the early church did? Well, they didn't hold back from sharing the truth and the gospel, knowing that they were married to prison, poverty, and persecution. They didn't care the end result. They trusted that God would provide. Either they were gonna get out of prison or that they would go to heaven. Either people would know Jesus, or they would go be with Jesus. Either way, it's a win-win. But today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. We're just trying to hold on to any kind of ground in the culture. Rather than, well, that culture was never our ground. It was always Christ. And we want the world to know Jesus. The world is not the culture or politicians. The world is people. It's not politics and these... Every person has an ideology, has a theology against God because they don't believe God. They don't know God. They don't have a relationship with God. That's why Jesus came to call you and I to know him and say, look, I let go of heaven. I let go of all my popularity, all my praise, everything to come and serve you. And you're going to kill me, put me in a grave. But don't worry, I'm going to walk out three days later and give you new life and fill you with my love so you can love others. And that is is why we're talking about this as we pause from Romans 8 and realize all things do work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But do we believe it about our stuff? If we get one thing, do we give one? If we haven't used things in a year, it's time to let it go. There's a sea container out there with stuff and I was like, okay, for the first year we won't, we'll see what we touch. Didn't touch most of it, if any. So we, we got a few things rid, rid of it. But I'm not gifted this way. Like I read Maria Kondo's life-changing book that just jarred me. And I'm like, wait, you can actually throw stuff away? Like people do that? And my wife's like, yes, I've been telling you that for years. I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, "Ah, you read that book and you think about it or you hear about it. And you just, so I threw like one box away. I have many more I need to do. But we had the sea container pretty much gutted and thrown out by CJ and some other people and I was like, hey, just get rid of it, I'm really bad. Like, I'll still go in there and be like, "All oh, this cable, and I did. I'm like, don't throw that, that crash bar away, we could use it. Well, that was actually something. We, one thing we could use, so I get one. But you have to let go and you have to buy less. 62% of people admit to cheer themselves up by shopping. They get depressed, they get down, they go shop. It allows them to escape, they wanna be entertained, They want the new thing, the clean thing, the version 8, the upgrade. But it's a momentary fleeting feeling. And we see in Psalm 119, 36 through 37, and this is a great prayer, not just for you, but for a neighbor or for our community to pray that our world would, would turn their eyes away from dishonest gain and be entertained by the testimonies, by the word of God changing lives and turn their eyes from looking at worthless things, and then give me life in your way. So, as we look to God to give us life, the life we were designed for, the life He created us to have in relationship with Him, we pray that our neighbor, our boss, our coworker, our spouse who's not believing, our kids who are maybe doubting, we, we pray for you that as you come, you, your eyes and your mind would be turned away just in this moment away from worthless things to hear the testimony of God at work, to hear the testimony of, of lives that have been changed when they surrender to Christ and that you could be another one who would experience the fullness and the peace that knowing Christ brings and that one handful living. And so the psalmist writes, cause my heart to incline to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Looking at the testimonies of God, which allows us by buying less, it fills our, our life with God. So when our eyes are turned away from worthless things and we're looking at God's ways, when our life is full of God, we can't we can't even think much less act on trying to put stuff or things in that void because it's already satisfied. We already have the rest that God designed us to have. When we buy less and we can give more, but when we buy less, it reveals what's really in our heart. Remember as kids, when our kids were younger, we'd buy them something cool and, and they would just take the thing out of the box and they were mesmerized by the box and they ended up playing with the box more than the toy. Now that they're older, that's not the case with like Game Boy switches, you know, or Nintendo switches, the actual item gets plugged in and played with and the trash is all over the house. It's like, at least take a minute and throw the trash in the trash can. but. When I ask our kids, though, and and, and I reflect, most of our conversations about what we have is not on our possessions. It's on our experiences. Some of our favorite memories are not, hey, Dad, thanks so much. It's Thanksgiving. Let's get that gift you gave me when I was two, that walker or one, two's a little old for a walker. You know, that walker, let's get the walker out. That was great years ago, I love that. Hey, let's get that skateboard you gave me out. Is the families together? No, but it's the experiences. Over COVID, we had our family soccer tournament that was started, three years in the running. It was the Roner Rangers and then, the what was the other team? Purple Tears, Roner Rangers and Purple Tears. Because the, the whole tier system, we kind of had a, a laugh at that. And so we'd all, as a family, we'd play soccer. And now there's like 30 people that come and play soccer with us. And it's because of the experiences, not the stuff. No one brings out the toys. They, ha- they want to join the experiences. And so as a family, we've tried to shift more on giving experiences, not stuff. Buying less and creating more of those experiences. Camping trips. Those are the things. Now, obviously, we we did get a paddleboard to go camp, but it's the experiences that make the memories. And it's awesome to have a paddleboard to to paddle out to the lighthouse in Avila and, and create those memories with my kids that they long for and want to have those experiences. But when we're less occupied with stuff and we're not packing so much stuff on our wish list and purchase list then we're freed. Our minds are freed up to bless others, and we get to see the needs of of others to bless them. As we've been blessed, we're called to be a blessing, which is beginning in prayer. The BLESS is actually an acronym. Begin in prayer. We can all start in prayer, and that verse is a great verse to pray. Psalm 119. God, turn their eyes from worthless things. Help them see the testimonies. Help them see the stories of you changing lives. And then listen as you have conversations with them over Christmas or Thanksgiving and listen over around the holidays and then eat, share a meal together. You guys already did that with family. Maybe some family you didn't look forward to being around a table with, but you were. Are you eating a meal and, and, and looking for ways God's going to use those conversations? Serving and asking people to serve you. What you always think about that as Christians, we're here to serve, we're here to serve, but Jesus asked people to serve him all the time. His disciples, they had to pay a tax to get into the church, temple. He's like, hey, go get that fish. And in the mouth of the fish, there's going to be our money to get in the church. It's like, even Jesus didn't even carry money around. He just trusted God to provide in the mouth of a fish. Do we have that kind of faith? Are we, are we praying? Are we closely connected to God, content with whatever God's called us to? Jesus knew his mission. He only had three more years of ministry. He wasn't storing up, worried about the dollar crash and investing this and moving this. He's like, This world's not my home. And if I need something, the Father's going to provide. That's the point. The point is not for you to pay off your credit card. You need to go to Barney Shorts and go find a trout. And in the trout, there's, that's not the application, okay? Don't. If you post on Instagram, Pastor told me to get the money for my Christmas gifts in the trout's mouth, it's not there. You're not going to get it. But when we we serve one another, then you get to share the gospel. And so often I've been preached that. I've been told, go share the gospel, share the gospel, tell me about Jesus. Whoa, that's a lot, this is a lot. 66 books, I have to memorize. What, What part of this am I supposed to share today, what? Just start in prayer. Jesus modeled it. He taught his disciples how to pray, not to preach. And then you listen, and then have a meal together. Then you serve, they serve you, and all of a sudden, guess what? hey, the way you live your life is different than mine. What, what's going on? There's your opportunity to share after you've done the blessed method. And that's where we get to our last point, give more. We've just spent a month talking about ways we can give more. Because as a church, we've already let go. We've, we've committed to let go, and we're practicing that. And then we were trying to buy less so we can give more. There's resources there 1 Timothy 6, 17-19, this is where we get this idea to give more and to give to ministry partners, not just our own needs in our, in our church home. Verse 17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertain, uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God richly provides us with everything to Enjoy. It's not bad to have stuff. It's bad when the stuff has you. God provides you with everything, with everything to enjoy. In verse 18, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and be generous, ready to share. Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. Jim Elliott, a missionary who summarized this basically saying, he is not a fool who gives what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. When he committed to go find people who didn't know Jesus, didn't hear about God, didn't have a Bible in their language, a tribe who'd never really had contact and said, we're going to fly planes and I'm going to try and drop little notes and little tootsie rolls and find little ways to make contact. And eventually he died trying to reach him. But he invested eternally in things that he can't lose. And he gave up everything. Following Christ, he gave up everything. And so are we prepared to do that? As we stop here for a minute and you think, well, I'm not a rich people. I'm not rich. I know rich people. They're across the river that way, right? To my left or your right. Like those homes over there, those are rich people. I can't even get into that street because it's lock and key. Those are, I'm not a rich people, I go to, to school with rich people because their parents pay for everything. Maybe you're in high school or college and you're like, man, I gotta barely have gas enough to go home. Like, i got to go sell some lemonade on the side of the road. i got to work for everything I have. i got to get a job. And this person, their parents just bought them a brand new car and are going to pay for college and pay for this. They're rich people. I'm not. But you are rich people. You're actually somewhere in the top 7%. When you put this into global perspective, if in the last three days you've had or last you know if you have 3 meals a day or at least have the option to then you're rich people you're in the top 40% of people alive today if you're able to order pizza on your mobile phone you're crazy rich when you think about that most people don't have that access that we have when you look at the population of the world we're totally blessed and this verse is, is to us, and we feel it, we internalize it. And when a lot of people go, hey, as Americans, we have this, and it's in our DNA as Americans to give to people, to help people. But it's because we have that individual ownership mentality, the ownership of, man, I've worked hard, I've gained this, and I'm going to help someone who's, who's trying, who's working, who's in need. I'm going to help the, the orphan and widow. Paul, James says, you have religion, great, then, then pure The product of that faith in God is going to be caring for the orphans and widows, those who don't have and can't get. You help them because you know that you've been blessed to bless others. This is where we're at today. Where do we put our hope? Is it in God? Do we trust Him to provide for us? As we see that He richly provides us everything for our enjoyment, we don't feel guilty about our blessings. We're content with it, the only discontentment should be if you don't know God, if you don't have that peace. And he tells us, he commands us as rich people, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, command them to buy more, and especially wait for Black Friday. That's the best deal. It's like, man, Cyber Monday will get you if you miss it. But no, he says, command them not to hoard or get nicer houses or barns, but he says, command those rich people to do good to be rich in good deeds, be generous, be willing to share. That's why we have those three ministries saying, hey, as rich people, here's ministry partners that are doing work. We can give to them, be rich in good deeds, be willing to share so that they may take hold of the life that's truly life. Your life is not made up of the abundance of stuff, but your life is made up to, you've given that, you've been given those blessings to be a blessing. There's emotional stories I have, but zero are about me getting things. There's zero stories I lead with and I get emotional about, about the first truck I got to buy after I had to suffer in college with a Jetta. Don't judge me, but it was a good commuter car. I got, but there's no, there's no emotional there. It's not like this amazing, I got the first, my first AirPods. It's like not an emotional story to that. The first pair of you know, Lululemon leggings that my girls got. Like they weren't really, there's not an emotional story tied to that. But it's the, the, the first offering where I gave $20 that I had in my pocket. And it's like, oh, I should probably do this. But shoot, God, how did I have, I don't usually have cash. So I get out of the, giving because this is great as a, as a student. But now I have this cash and here's the plate. And then it's the first check that I got after my boss found out I'm a believer and he pulls out the check and he's about to write me what I'm owed for the work for the week. And he's like, Hey, you give 10% to the church. Why don't you just give 10% to me? I'll just take it out of your check and then you'll be good. Right? Like that's how it works. Just you give 10%. You just, he was thinking that it was this religious thing that I just needed to, to, to have less money that I, that this relationship with wealth, I just needed to have less like masochism. I just had to go without. And that was the religious practice. And so I got the opportunity to explain the gospel. Jesus left everything to come save me and give me everything. And so in response, that 10% is going to help end Bible poverty. So that people who don't have a Bible are going to get a Bible in their language. That 10% is going to go help a missionary share the gospel. That 10% is going to keep the lights on for a... Uh, a regeneration, recovery ministry where people find Christ and then they let Christ change their lives and, and expose the hurts and allow Jesus to heal them and and, and conform them to look like Jesus. That's where the ten percent's going. It's not going to you to go get more beer or put gas in your tank, boss. And you got to share the gospel there. And it's like, wow, that's that's even more of why I give. But I'm not. I don't learn from books. I learn from those experiences. And so God's been gracious to give me those. So, Here's why you give. Here's why you should give consistently so that you can help build the kingdom eternally. But are we scared about our resources? I remember coming on and and, and Keith and I and the elders had conversations about the transition and my wife were... There's a lot of conversations and, and prayers, and it's like, man, Lord, what are you calling us to do? Because there's not, and there never has been in my life, a, a, a clear like, okay, we wanna hire you. Here's the amount we're gonna pay you. You start in two weeks. That's not how my life works. I think most of your lives, that's probably how it works. Not for me. It's always back and forth, months, and then it's like, hey, we, we want, we feel like God's calling you. And Pastor Keith, in his wisdom and humility, said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a pay cut. Cause this is where the church is at and you need to come on. And so, so the, the church I was at said, Hey, we're going to pay the difference and we're going to, we're going to give you this amount. So other people said we're going to give. And so it was all the Lord. And, and that's, I talked to a pastor and I was like, Hey, I just need confirmation. Like, is this normal? He's like, Oh yeah, we do that all the time in the church. That's how we grow. Every time we hire, that's how we hire. We just say, Hey, we'll pay you for two weeks and we'll see what the Lord does. And I was like, Oh, that's like a thing. Okay. And uh, I say it because it blew me away. The, the pastor I was going to take over for said, hey, I'm going to take a pay cut so you can come on with this much. And then God said, yeah, that's a good starting point. I'll ask this person. I've blessed this ministry. I've blessed that church. I've blessed this family. And here we are today looking at back. And that's how we approach CJ, our youth minister. And that's how we approach high. It's like, hey, here's what we can give today. We're going to pray for and trust God with, with consistent givers who are faithfully going to give and will dream responsibly. But it takes that faith and it takes that living simply and it takes us saying, okay, for this year, we're, we're gonna just trust God. And those checks that families would just say, hey, here you go, it's like, sweet. Now we can take our family on a vacation and create a memory because we're just living dollar for dollar. And it was, it's amazing to see how God has grown our faith through those seasons. And it was not a lot compared to what we can give now and what we've been able to give when people are in need. And it's like, man, there's a financial gift now we're in a position we can give but it still is like but i could do 10 other things with that money and it still is that selfish do i really want to let go of it don't want to buy less so i can give more ultimately but when i know that the world is not my home and i'm challenged with this am i accumulating on earth what i can't keep am i accumulating on earth and we we talked as Jeff and I, it's like, that's the word. Are we just gathering? Are we accumulating stuff that's not going to go with us, that we can't keep it? Or are we investing in heaven that you can't lose? Are you investing in heaven what you cannot lose? As we travel light, as we go through this month, I pray you join me as we we go to the Lord and go, okay, how am I? Maybe you're going to come over to my garage and help me throw stuff away. I don't know. Maybe you're going to go to your own garage and you're going to throw stuff away. But what are you going to let go of? What are you going to buy less of so you can give more? You can be rich in good deeds. You're going to spend time with your kids and your family. You're going to strategically plan maybe next year's calendar with less stuff and more time to enjoy the peace and joy and freedom with less of what doesn't matter and more of what does because your life is way too valuable and your calling is way too great and God is so good for you to spend any time or resources doing anything but enjoying him serving him putting his kingdom first and then he says all these things will be added to you i put god's kingdom first and then he let me go to san diego for school and surf in one of the warmest best wave area it's like wow okay i gave you surfing and you gave it back and then he called me back to the central coast a little colder a little more sharky but still i'm on the coast god's still good but better is one handful than two handfuls of toiling, than two handfuls of work. And why? Why is this better? With one handful of peace. Because you can help somebody out if they're in need. Here you go. And if, someone, if someone's down, you can help pick them up. You can encourage them. You can pat them on the back or on the butt, but flat-handed. Unless they're your spouse, then you can cut. If you're married, if you're married, but better is one hand full of peace. And as we look at this one handful living, are we doing that? I got to pray right now. I got to end in prayer because there's no other way to end it. Because in, there's weeks where I get up here and I get to preach a message that I haven't yet mastered. And God's like, yeah, that's how I designed it. You love pumpkin pie, try humble pie, and you get to eat all of it. Thanks, Lord. But as a church, we all have stories and we all have things that maybe we've been in seasons where we've been two hands of toiling and we have no peace. And so the challenge and the promise is when we live with one hand, we can be blessed to be a blessing, to help, to encourage. And so will you, will you pray with me now and, and just raise your hand if, if you're saying, man, I'm someone who has been living with two handfuls and, and wrestling and working and striving and I just need that one handful of peace. And I just wanna pray for you as we close. You could just bow your eyes, close your eyes, bow your heads and throw your hand up if that's you today and I'm gonna pray for you and, and pray for us as we close see those hands. Father, I thank you so much today for for your power and your promise. I pray that, God, that you'd help me and help us let go of the stuff that's weighing us down, that's holding us back. Lord, that we wouldn't feel guilty of the blessings you've given us, but Lord, that you would create a a wisdom and generous heart that reflects you. Lord, I just pray for the hands that went up as we, we know we've been blessed to be a blessing, that you would help us to believe the truth that you will supply our every need to enjoy everything and reject the lie that there's something out there we don't have. That that's what we need. Unless, God, the thing that we don't have is you. Because as your word says, our heart longs and will be restless until it finds rest in you. Lord, until we come to you, we won't find rest. And you're the one we truly need. Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as we close, the things of this world that we crave just remind us that we're made for another world. We're made for something else because nothing in this world will satisfy. And as we close, I I think all the the godly men and women, and I thank my wife for being a great model of, hey, what's eternal? What's the, the point of this purchase? Why do we need this? And it's caused us and to have great conversations and it it's because the gospels brought truth and brought that peace and so i pray that as we grow in that sense of stewardship yet again and, and the, the idea that god's been generous to us that maybe for you you've been pursuing something you've been pursuing another job you've been pursuing and the next sporting thing maybe one sport didn't work out you got another sport you're pursuing a more money and you in another raise. And once I get that raise, I'll have this much more money. Or maybe it's travel, one more exotic place after another, or one more vacation, or maybe it's spouse. It's like, hey, that one didn't work out. Maybe this one will, maybe that one will. But the reality is the stuff, the spouse, the house, the raise, nothing's gonna satisfy you because you're not made for them. You're made for him. He created you, he made you. And the same lie that the serpent whispered in the gardens, the same lie we're hearing, on steroids today, whether it's the news, whether it's social media, you are not created for this world. Our need is not for more physical. Our need is for spiritual peace. And that's why the wisdom of Solomon, when he wrote that, he was writing from a broken place if I had all the stuff, I had all the junk drawers full, but I had it organized because I was wise enough to have it and organize it, which... The reality is because we're bent to sin and Solomon knows that well because he explored every sinful every sexual every thing the world could offer he enjoyed it and then was left empty by it because he wasn't made for those things he was made for God and we're all sinners every single one of us the things we do wrong we feel guilty and unqualified to be loved by God. And that's the gospel. There's nothing good you could ever do to impress God. There's nothing good you could do to earn what God has offered to freely give you. God did everything about it. He sent his son, who is perfect, sinless, to die on the cross in your place. On the third day, God raised him from the dead and said, if you believe in him, then death is defeated and you have an eternal inheritance in me that rust and moth can't destroy. And it's only by the grace of God. So how are we made right by God is never by our own good works. And it's never by the lack of our sinfulness because we are sinners. It's only by the grace of God. So if you're here saying, man, I've never believed that Jesus and Jesus alone will bring me peace. Going into this season, it's not the next gift. It's not the next experience, it's Jesus alone. And so I wanna offer that if that's you, You could simply raise your hand and say, I've never trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never received him as my peace. And we have tables up here. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Maybe you have, but you're like, man, I'm struggling. I'm wrestling with stuff. So I just want to close in prayer now. And we're going to close our eyes. And and I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to pass the elements. And those of us that are believers are going to celebrate what God's done for us. And then we're going to offer after the last song a time for prayer. So let's pray. God, we we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for those that are wrestling now and maybe want to throw their hand up and say, I'm willing and I'm ready for the first time to say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. Jesus, save me. Forgive all my sins. Fill that void with your Spirit so I can follow you, so I can love you, so I can serve you. Help me to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does, more of you, more of the life that is truly life. Thank you for the new life. And in Jesus name, I pray. Amen.